Hi, guys. For those of you that don't know, I'm originally from Australia, from Sydney. And um, actually, I'm going to ask everybody in this class. Um, I get that social media is a real big deal and, like, it's really important to make sure that people know that you went to a certain workshop or didn't go to a certain workshop. Can I ask you guys a favour? Can I ask you, like, to not take photos and stuff during, like, this talk? Only because I really, it really bums me out when someone captures a moment but they actually miss the moment. Um, and I think that happens all the time with social media. Like, you know, someone, I'll see people in worship, like, taking photos and I'll think such a bummer because God is doing something and like what if God, like what if the Holy Spirit wanted to say something to you in his kindness he'll he'll say it anyway but you know I always want to be leaning in and like I mean I don't need the proof on social media that I was there I just I want I want the proof my life to speak for like itself and the fruit of my life to speak for itself so that when something's deposited like you see that you see that that I guess the evidence like months later yeah is that cool if, if you want a photo later, then I'll, I don't know, I'll stay for two minutes or something like that and get a photo, okay? Um, I don't photograph well, though, so just saying. Um, cool. So um, for those of you that don't know, I'm from Sydney, Australia. Yeah. Um, which is awesome because Sydney's awesome. Um, and I originally was um, – I moved to Sydney in 2000 and um, was part of a church called Hillsong Church for 10 years and um, wrote a lot of songs. Songwriting was like always my passion. So um, I wrote a lot of songs for our Hillsong team and for our Hillsong United team. Um, was part of the worship team there and just generally loved life. And um, probably about eight years ago, I started coming back and forward to the United States um, because I wanted to see if I could, if I was really actually could write songs or if I was just, if they were throwing me a lot of bones at Hillsong Church just because I, you know, was writing songs and they were like, oh, poor Mia, we better use her songs. Um, so I thought I'll test the waters and see if I really can write a song outside of my church who love me. Um, and so I just, I kind of, tr- like, I'd met a couple of people at a conference we'd done, a girl called Carrie Job, a guy called Paul Belosh, and a band called The Desperation Band. And so I was, I emailed them and I said, hey guys, if I come over to America, would you guys want to write some songs? And they were like, sure. So then that kind of started the ball rolling on writing songs outside of church. Then I over the years, I kind of came back and forward and have been writing, like, um, still writing praise and worship. And, like, for me, all roads lead to praise and worship. Um, but also kind of got a bit more into writing um, a bit of Christian radio music as well, which I used to hate and I used to think, oh, Christian radio, I don't want to hear Casting Crowns. But, like, but actually, like, I've learned that actually everything has value and everything has, um, everything has weight. You know, it's a very arrogant thing to assume that everybody gets to go to church on a Sunday. Um, and it's just a, a bit silly. Like, I love the idea that, like, some wife whose husband is not saved and will not let her go to church gets in the car and turns on the radio and has her own worship time um, with the songs that are on the radio. I love the idea that someone's going through a hard time and, like, they put on the radio and, like, like God meets them in their car. I love that. You know, I love that, like, you know, like certain, certain like, I'll go to the supermarket sometimes and some song, will, you know, some Carrie Job song will come over the radio and I'll think, yeah, get it, Carrie, like, come on. Um, which is awesome, hey, like, you know, and who has ever been in, like, that situation where they've been in the car and they've, like, a song's come on the radio? Like, I mean, gosh, like, I've been, like, I've had that, I remember being in the car and, like, um, that song, like, Jesus, would you show me just how far the east is from the west? And I was like, oh, what a lame song. And then I'm like, just bawling my eyes out, you know? Um, So I'm like, you know, and it's, it's amazing how, like, God will, God will 
teach you. And like, I think God is like, a, I think God is a massive fan of us being a fan of everybody else. I am a massive fan of everybody in the worship, in like, I hate saying worship industry, but I'm a massive fan of everyone in this music industry that is doing it for Jesus, yeah? Um, and I think that every, every part has a place on, on the body. And, you know, I don't want like 10 people trying to be the hand because there's really only room for two hands, yeah? Um, so I, I, about four years ago, moved over to America. America, pouncer, America. Um, so I moved over to America and like now I live in Nashville and um, I'm part of a church called The Belonging, which is if you're ever in Nashville, you're always welcome. Our church is on Tuesday nights, which is pretty awesome. And um, we, our pastors are this awesome couple from Australia from a, um, another big church worship movement called Planet Shakers. Um, Alex and Henry Seely, biggest legends in the whole world, love them, wish they were here. And um, so anyway, our church meets on Tuesday nights and it actually happens, most, like a lot of the people in the church are people who um, are in the worship industry or in the Christian music industry and we have it on Tuesday nights because they're all on tour on the weekends but if you have Tuesday night church, no one misses church, yeah? Awesome. So I'm part of a church there and then um, I write for a record label um, called Provident which is Sony's Christian record label and I just signed a record deal, which is pretty new for me because I normally write songs for everybody else, but I'll tell you a bit about that as we go on. So this is like, you know, we call this Women in Worship, but basically I'm just going to talk to you guys just about some things. I'm pretty much going to tell you all the mistakes and all the insecurities that I had and that I still have and that like I'm working through um, and things that I just, I wish I'd learned sooner and um, things that I think are going to hopefully be helpful to you. So is it okay if I just pray for you guys first? I'm going to pray at the start. I'm going to pray at the end because I'm a big believer that prayer changes everything. Um, So God, I just thank you for every person in this room, God. I thank you, Lord, for every heart that's represented, God, that you have already anointed these hearts, God. I thank you, Lord, that you say that the steps of a good person are ordered by you, God. So even though we make plans in our hearts, God, you'll direct our steps. And I thank you, Lord, that you're an orchestrator. So I pray that like even the stuff that gets said today, Lord, if I never say one word that, um, one word that makes sense, God, that you would make sense of it all, God, and that you would just deposit in everybody's spirit what they need to hear, God. I thank you, Lord, that you give weight to your word, God, and you make it stick, God, and, and that your word actually enters us and changes us and cuts away what needs to be cut away, God, and like solidifies what needs to be solidified, God. So we just commit just this afternoon to you and know that you will just do what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Okay. So one of the first things I will say is, um, you know, we called it Women in Worship, but I'm like, I'm glad it's not gender specific. Thanks for coming, lads. Appreciate it. Um, thanks for coming, ladies. Appreciate it. So um, when I moved to America, one of the things that um, – it actually was kind of a hard transition for me because, number one, I was, like, leaving my family in a country on the other side of the world. And, like, so the, the logistics were hard. But one of the things I found really hard is um, church over here looks very different to the way church looks in Australia. And I moved to the south. And the south, um, I found, has a very religious spirit and a very traditional spirit. And I honour the – I honour tradition in the church because I think tradition is beautiful, but I actually want to kick religion in the teeth because I just think religion, like, it, like, holds everything back and it squashes what is meant to be, like, big. You know, it, it, like, it has a way of just, like, feeling like something's always sitting on your chest and people, when, like, people when they're in a religious environment end up just staying so, um, so not free. You know, like, the Bible talks about those that know the truth will be set free. Like, you know, those that know it with certainty will be set free. And, man, like, I know people that can pr- 
preach scripture and I think, man, but you are the least free person that I've ever met, you know, because when Jesus is saying that he's talking about when you know him and when you understand him with certainty and have relationship with him and don't just live by a bunch of rules, that's when you get free. And I think the thing that, that you know, the world wants to see is like, Christians not just living by a set of rules and do's and don'ts, but Christians who are free and Christians who are living in relationship with Jesus Christ and living according to, like, what he says and what he says for them, yeah? Um, so one of the things I found, like, hard was, like, like religion and, like, not being free and seeing, like, even, like, how many people lead from a place of not being free. And, like, can I say to you, like, that the best thing that you have to offer anyone and the best thing you have to offer anyone in your leadership and in your worship leadership is just being completely yourself and, like, completely free in that hands up if you lead worship in the room if you're a worship leader okay hands up if you're not a worship leader okay and then so then for you guys like are you wanting to lead worship is that the situation or just come because you think I'm like cool I mean I'm not that cool I'm see I was like the, I was like the fat kid in school that played the euphonium like tuba and in my heart I'm still her um so for me, I kind of think that whether you, whether you sing or whether you don't, like, I think everybody's a worship leader. Like, the, there's something really amazing about people knowing how to, like, lean into God and lean into what the Holy Spirit's saying and, like, to always be on the front foot of, like, leadership in their lives. Um, one of the things that I think um, is, is, is something that even in church culture we struggle with is, like, well, I'm a worship leader if I'm, like, appointed the worship leader. I'm a worship leader if, like, I hold the position of the worship leader. And I'm a worship leader if, like, I, like, sing on a Sunday like, and I, like, lead the song on a Sunday. Um, when I first came to America, and I'm, I'm not saying Australia doesn't have its problems. Australia has problems, like, let me tell you. But it also has, like, some awesome stuff, like every country. Um, and I just remember, like, coming here and I would think, why are these people just singing the songs at me? You know, and, I, and I, I live in Nashville, so there's a lot of talent in Nashville. And I would think, man, these voices are amazing. Like, these people are amazing singers. But why are they just singing at me? Like, why are they just singing the songs? Like, um, I come from a background like Hillsong Church. Everyone thinks that's a music church. But actually, it's a leadership church. You know, it's, like, very much leadership-based. And let me tell you, if you don't know who you are as a leader, then, like, you will never be able to lead worship. And some of the best worship leaders I know are the people that have, like, the least talent. Um, you know, I mean, John, John Egan and I are always forever talking about how, like, we, we joke, like, oh, we're, like, the underdogs of worship, like, because both of us, like, felt like we couldn't sing for the longest time. But, but what we could do is lead and got a revelation of, like, leadership. Um, I'm done with, like, going to churches and hearing girls, like, girls, stand beside a, a male worship leader and this is not me being gender specific this is me actually just saying rise up um I'm done with girls like standing beside like the worship leader and then singing a like a sweet cute you know pretty song like and like singing like singing a great little solo and then like handing it on back and then the guy I'm done with guys standing there playing the guitar and just singing a couple of songs I'm done with people copying like other other movements because I'm like there's nothing authentic in that I'm like so pro, like people rise up, be yourself and like, and like lean into the Holy Spirit and what he has said to you. Um, for me, like the, I've actually only just started like really coming into my own as a worship leader in the last probably two years. Did I worship lead before? Yeah, but I actually didn't have a revelation of like who, who I was in Christ. Um, I think I was waiting for like some big moment where like I was going to like feel like this, I don't know, I was going to get a visit from the Godhead and like feel like this heavy weight of like worship leadership like placed on me like a cloak you know and that, that just never happened um 
because it's just it's just not it. Like, you know, we're called to a life of faith, you know. So the great thing is God whispers something to your heart and it's your, it's your job to walk it out and believe him and his word, yeah? So I'm just going to kind of talk to you about a few things like that I struggled with like, and a few things that I feel like have, um, I guess, like coming into, coming into the other side of it like, and coming into like a new season for me, even in America. It's been amazing for me to be in America because I felt like things that like I couldn't pull out of myself in Australia like have been pulled out of me here, which is awesome. Um, so the first thing is I'm just going to say right off the start is you teach people how to treat you. Because um, some of you, when I said that, like I'm done with people just singing nice solos in church, you're like, well, you don't understand, like my worship pastor doesn't let me lead out, like he just gives me one song to do. And I, and I think, yeah, but actually like you teach people how to treat you, you know, and so like, yeah, like maybe some of that's them like dictating the situation, but actually you just, you actually like teach people how to treat you, like have conversations. Um, I for so long would be like, well, nobody, they don't think I'm a good singer and like they never give me an opportunity. The truth of the matter was I never asked for one. And the truth of the matter was I was always saying, I don't want to sing, I'm really happy to just write songs. And like mostly that was true, but like part of me that wasn't. And so whose fault's that? That's kind of my fault, you know. So even like for some of you in the room, like I think be starting to think about like, you know, what are, the, what are the things that I've put on myself? What are the things that like I've like, I've maybe even said out loud to people and like taught them that like I'm okay with being treated like that or I'm okay with like being put in that position. Like if you want to rise up, like well then, I'm, and, I'm, and don't go and like hassle your leaders, but like actually step up and like speak up. And it's amazing when you step up, that will just speak for itself and it will make a way for you. Um, so I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to give you a bunch of points if that's okay. So the first, the first thing is like, besides the, you teach people how to treat, treat you, that was just for free. Um, but first thing is know your authority. I see lots of people lead worship with like a lot of talent and a lot of skill. But I'm like, man, when somebody leads worship with authority, like it changes the room and it changes the atmosphere. And to be honest, we need people that lead with authority because actually we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're, even though some Sunday mornings it can feel like that, like wake up, you know, put your coffee down. Jesus is more important than your coffee. Put it down. Gosh, that frustrates me in church. I'm like, put your phone away, put your coffee down, like a little bit of respect. Like, come on. Um, just because I'm like, Actually, you have permission to speak to people like that. You have permission to say, hey, why don't we just, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. Why don't you just put your coffee down and let's just like really just spend like just 10 minutes, like just really focusing on God. You, you, your caffeine will be there when you're done. Might be a bit colder, but who cares? Like it's not a big deal. Honestly, like the congregation will probably laugh and think that was awesome and put their, their coffee down. Um, know your authority. So knowing your authority means not waiting for permission. Um, like so many people are waiting for permission to be awesome. And I'm like, stop waiting for permission to be awesome. Find opportunities to be awesome. Maybe you're not worship leading at your church. Like, well, there's nothing stopping you from, like, creating a worship culture. Who, who in your music team are you sowing into? Well, you know, like, nobody's asked me to disciple anyone. Nobody has to ask you. Just do it. What have you, what have you got and what have you, be, like, what have you learned? What have you, like, overcome that you can help somebody else overcome? 
You know, like one of my favorite things is like one of the things I kind of have my head wrapped around is songwriting. So like, you know, in our team, I love sewing into the other songwriters. I love sewing into the girls that are like, you know, in our team that are a little bit timid. And I'm saying like, go for it. Lace those bits up, pick up that sword and go for it. Like, you know, like when they like come to me and say like, is that okay? Should I do that? And I say, I don't know. You're leading the song. So you go for it. Like whatever you want to do, you be clear, you lead and you go for it. Like you don't need my permission to like decide what you're going to do and I think so much of the time we're waiting for someone to say it's okay that you do that or even waiting for an invitation to do that guess what like the moment you said yes to Jesus that is your invitation that's your invitation to be to be to live out being called and live out being chosen and live out being awesome like you know Jesus has said you're supposed to be the head and not the tail and so much of us like we shrink back and we're like yeah but like you know so and so held me back or this held me back no like stop waiting for permission to like do what you've been called to do um even knowing how to be under authority is a massive thing like I feel like everything Lisa Pevere preached on this morning I was like man I should just like come and play that CD again for you guys because it's pretty much everything I'm going to talk about um, knowing how to be under authority will give you so much more authority. And, like, can I speak to the girls in the room? And, like, I'm going to say some controversial things, and hopefully, because of my accent, you're going to let it go and not be offended. Um, but can I say to the girls in the room, like, it is a very, very good thing, because I think it's something girls struggle with, to learn how to submit and learn how to be under authority. It actually gives you so much more authority because it gives you a covering. Um, and I think so much of the time, like, girls, like, we have this habit of being like, yeah, I'll do all the right things, but in my heart, I'm rebellious. And, like, in my heart, I defy you. And I go, it is such, like, a, to be honest, it's a Jezebel quality. And I go, like, that's not going to get you far at all. Um... I, for a long time, would be like, oh, I'll honour you, but I don't respect you. Like, and actually, that's just, that's just not okay. Um, it's not, it's, it doesn't help you. I've noticed, like, for me in the last two years, like, the more that I've got a revelation of authority, the more, like, to be honest, the more doors that have opened for me and the more that I've, I've when I step on the platform, I lead with authority because I know how to be under authority. Um, you're the, actually the only person that can hold you back. Lots of the times we think, you know, well, that leader's holding me back, but actually you're the only person that can. Because if you really are trusting God, then you, then you ultimately believe he's in charge and he's sovereign and he's the, he's the leader of leaders um, or, and, like, that he's the only one that can, like... I mean, if, if, there's, if there's a leader that's crap, then God will take them out, I promise. Like, um, which is great. I love it when God... Not takes people out, but like I love it when you just wait for God to do what He's going to do, like instead of like doing it your way. My way is always faster, but God's way is always way better. Um, so it ultimately comes back to do you trust God? You know, I think it's so easy, especially in, in our culture, to get into a habit of like like wanting to move things and shift things around and wanting to create opportunities for ourselves and wanting to like be like, well, like, you know, that person's like done this or that person's done that and I, I mean I get it I've been in I've been in like church culture like for a long time and I get it like but actually I've noticed like the more that I lean into God and the more that I say you know God you just do what you want to do and actually I bless that leader I bless that person it's amazing how like God actually God opens up doors you know and God like begins to like raise you up because God says he raises up the humble but he but he I mean he shoves down the proud because they're idiots um you don't, you don't need a certain position to step out and lead. Like I said before, like, who are you sowing into? You know, who are you raising up? Like, if you have a gift, like, you know, hands up the songwriters in the room. Hands up people who want to write songs, but 
don't think they're a songwriter because they've never recorded anything. Basically, I'm just asking the people that didn't put your hands up, but you secretly love writing songs. Um, do you know that you don't need a publishing deal to be a songwriter? Do you know that you don't need somebody to even listen to your song before you're a songwriter? Um, I remember a long, like a long time ago when I first moved to Hillsong um, Church, I was at the Hillsong College, and I felt like I'd, I felt like God had said to me, "Do the." Um, the leadership course, which I was like, well, God, that doesn't really make sense because I want to do worship. And so that doesn't really make sense. It's not my plan. And God's like, do the leadership course. So I did the leadership course. And I remember I would, I would write all these songs. And I actually had like this really amazing, like I actually had a really good gift to be able to write words. Everything else, terrible at. Um, and, and I remember like going home one day and like, like finding out like, you know, a bunch of my songs hadn't been listened to and like just feeling really discouraged. And I sat in like just this little crap dorm room and, um, and I just cried and cried. And I just said like, God, I just, I know that you'd, you've spoken to me about being a songwriter and writing songs and I feel like I'm failing. And like, so I'm not being a good steward. And like, I just, I just cried. And I felt like God say like, yeah, but what did I ask you to do? And I said, We'll write songs and and then and then he goes like and what are you doing he goes do you write songs and I said yeah and he goes how often do you do it and I was like well I do it like most days like I make time like most days to do it and he goes well this is this is about what I've said and then what you do with it like and actually like if you write songs and you are disciplined in doing it then you are a songwriter and you actually it's not even about the publishing contract because I affirm you before they will and I'm like, man, when I got the revelation that, like, I'm a songwriter before I ever get a publishing contract, guess what happened? Like, the songs that started coming out started, started coming from a different place. You know, when I got the revelation that I'm a worship leader when I'm in the choir, like, when I was the back row of the choir, I'm like, I'm going to get this. Come on, let's do this. Like, I'm about to change the atmosphere. You know, and, you, and like, we laugh at that, but I go, but actually, there's nothing, like, more amazing to me than, like, seeing people, like, have a revelation of who they are and know their authority. Like, I mean, I like, even at this conference, like, I'm, like, leading worship tonight, but every other, every other meeting, I'm on the front row and I'm going for it because I'm, like, I am a worship leader. I'm going to help change the atmosphere. I'm going to help lean in and, like, pull down some stuff with the other worship leaders. Yeah. I'm like, you decide like what you want to walk in and you decide what authority you have. If your authority only comes on you when you get on the platform, well, to be honest, that's actually just really tragic. And like, I, I wouldn't want to give the platform to somebody who only has authority on the platform, yeah? Um, so you don't need, you don't need to be in a certain position to lead or to step out. Like, this is a faith journey. Like, be it unto you according to your faith. And like, my favorite verse in the Bible is in like, I think it's um, Proverbs 28. It says like, that the righteous are as bold as a lion. I'm like, Lions aren't going like, oh, is it okay if I just like go and like maybe attack that like gazelle over there? Is that okay? Is everyone okay with that? Like gazelle's family, are you okay with that? Okay. Like, oh, I mean, I can become a vegetarian if, if everyone's like not okay with that. Like, you know, we live in such a people-pleasing like culture. I'm like, man, this will take, this will take all the anxiety out of your life. Who in the room suffers from anxiety, P.S.? Can I just say, who suffers from like just fear? Can I say God wants to heal you from that? And I go, I get that there is a place for medication. I get that there is a place for like, you know, like making sure that things are in check. But ultimately, God wants to set you free from that. And, I'm, and I prophesy that over you. Like right now, today, God wants to set you free from anxiety. It's amazing when you let God speak to the root, it will disarm it. And um, for those of you that do suffer from anxiety, and for even those of you that don't, can I just say like that actually if you just do what pleases God, it disarms a lot of crap. Yeah? Just do what would please him.
You will never, ever please everybody. In fact, you will tick some people off. But the beautiful thing is Jesus ticked lots of people off. But by doing what God wanted him to do, he would always, like I love how many times it says in the Bible, Jesus led by the Spirit, Jesus led by the Spirit, Jesus asked the Father, Jesus led by the Spirit, Jesus asked the Father. And then he goes and does what he needs to do and usually ticks off the most religious people in his sphere of influence, yeah? If you just do what pleases God, then actually that, that's your permission to be bold, that's your permission, that is your authority, that is your covering. You don't need permission, you don't need... You don't need anything except for just like to lean in the spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that's alive in you. The more that you lean into that, the more empowered you'll be to lead well. Um, what it, like even asking, asking yourself in the morning, maybe, maybe you worship lead at your church. Maybe you're not rostered on to worship lead. Do you know that leaders still come early? Leaders still take initiative? You know, I can be in someone else's church and I'm always sensitive to like I don't want to be like... I've got this, I'm going to own this and dominate this. Like, but like if, if, if I'm in someone else's church that's like a church like this where I'm like a good friend of this church and they say like, leaders, can you pray for people? I'm going to go pray for people. You know why? Because I know who I am. Um, if I'm like, if I'm not leading worship at our church, I'm still there early and I'm still like leaning in, like praying for the worship. I'm still there like, like speaking to the worship leaders and saying like, come on, like we're going to like go for it tonight. Like I'm even like being a leader in like, like telling other people they did a great job. Do you know people like really love encouragement? I think about how much the Holy Spirit is encouraging me and I go, people love encouragement. People, you know, it says something about you as a leader um, and about your level of security if you're, if you're really generous with your words. It's nothing worse than like worship leaders who like won't ever tell anyone else they did a good job because they think it takes away from them when it doesn't. Um, even asking the Holy Spirit, like, what do you want to do here today? The Holy Spirit has all authority. So when you lean into him and ask him, what's your strategy, Holy Spirit? It's amazing how he'll go, okay, you're on my team. Well, let's go in and let's like take some ground together. And like, will you come up against opposition? Yeah, you will. Because if you're taking ground, you're taking someone's. But I'm like, good, I'll take it back. Thank you very much, enemy. You can just deal with that. Suck it up. Um, the Holy Spirit strategy is always to point people's, people to Christ. So, like, I mean, whatever sphere, whatever, wherever you land, like, your authority is going to come from that. And, like, just keep pointing people to Christ. Um, one of the most amazing things I ever heard is, like, and I say, like, I mean, I love that John Bevere talked about the Holy Spirit last night because, like, man, if you get a revelation of that and you lead from, like, like authority, like authority of, like, the Holy Spirit and leaning into what he's doing and leaning into what he's saying. It's amazing how your meetings will go smoother. Like, when you sing a song, it will come from a different place and it will do a different thing in the meeting. It's amazing how, like, you begin to, like, fight, like see things in the Spirit instead of just trying to always fight in the natural. Like, I don't want to get on stage and struggle in the natural and be like, everybody lift your hands and, like, okay, everybody, like, shout. Like, I don't want it to come from that place of, like, just dictating to the congregation what to do. I want it to come from, like, man, whatever I fight in the spirit, I win. So, because it's already won. So, if I fight in the spirit, then it has to line up in the natural, yeah? So, before meetings, I'm like, well, I take authority over every, every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Every person that's coming in thinking, like, oh, today's going to be crap. Every person that's coming in thinking, I'm just tired. I just take authority over every thought and I just pull it down. It has, authority has to come from like a spirit place because if it comes from like a gift or if it comes from a talent, like, I mean, that's temporal. And to be honest, there's someone who's way more talented than you that's going to come along and seemingly look like they've got more authority if it's coming from that place. Is that cool? Okay. Um, second thing is know your season. 
It's one of the most frustrating things you can do as a worship leader um, is to not recognise seasons. Um, and, and as well to not recognise what, what the seasons are saying. Um, so even, you know, for I, I for a long time, like I always would say, I'm a Jonathan, not a David. And that was kind of my MO. I loved being a Jonathan. Look. So, yeah, could I be the... Could I be the guy, the, the David guy? I could have, but I recognised that the season that I was in, that my that like what God had graced me for was to be a supporter of like others. So you know, like, so I ended up like you know supporting others and what they did. You know, there's so many people that they they've you know they would never have like known even what I look like, but they would know the songs. You know, or like there's so many times where I would like just go and like support like in like prayer or support in songs or support in like even like doing backing vocals for someone um, because I knew my season. Like it didn't change the fact that I knew I was a worship leader but like the season was that I was, I, I felt grace to be a Jonathan. If you're not sure what your season is, guess what? Just ask the Holy Spirit. He's really good at revealing things, you know, because sometimes we're trying to push and trying to push and trying to push and, and trying to be something in a, in a season where it's just not time. Um, I am so, so unbelievably grateful that I'm 31 and I'm only just signing a record deal at 31. Like, honestly, if, you ha- if, if I had done a record when I was 25, it would have been the worst record on the planet. And it would have come from a place of, like, to be honest, a lot of insecurity. And it would have come from a place of, like, not knowing completely my, my authority. It would have come from a place of not even really knowing my, my sound. And not knowing what I bring, which is just not great. So for, the, for those of you, maybe you're in a season where you're like, well, you know, like I, I don't have that much opportunity to sing at the moment. Well, you know, maybe look at your season and go, look, is this the right season for like, like finding opportunity to sing? Or is this a season where God actually just like wants all of me and God wants me to learn to sing in like my closet at home and learn how to worship lead? I'm so great. When I moved to Nashville, I went from like, like, you know, worship leading at a church of thousands and thousands of people to, like, in Nashville and, like, feeling like God's saying, like, I just want you to sit for a while. I just want you to, like, just just be under, like, me and just, like, learn learn from me again and, and I'm going to re-educate you on a few things. And um, honestly, best thing that ever happened to me, the first two years I was in Nashville, I didn't lead worship at a church. I got asked a lot and I just felt like, no, like, no, I just don't think it's time. And I'm so grateful because, like, when you do something... When you do something in your own strength, when you're not graced to do it, there's a lot of frustration there and there's actually a lot of heaviness there. There's a lot of disappointment there because you're trying to push something when it's not time. Um, the, season, the season where things changed and I started to worship lead regularly in church again, it came on a Tuesday night when we started a church with four people. And I was like, they were like, hey, do you want to worship lead? And I was like, heck, yes, I do play those four chords and I will just dominate this. Like, let's go, people. Four people, let's do this. Do you know what, though? It, it like, actually revealed new gifts that I never thought I had. It revealed, like, n- like new things, like, that God was trying to pull out of me for years that I just had I'd always squashed because I'd always been stepping into things before it was my season, yeah? Um, there's always, always, always going to be seasons of spring, seasons where things are coming forth, season where God is like blooming things, season where things are like are starting to look colourful again. But there's also always going to be seasons of winter. And I think learning how to do winter really well sets you up for a good spring. Um, there's nothing more frustrating than like, than trying to like plant in winter 
It's hard going trying to plant things in winter. It's hard going trying to pioneer in winter. Winter's often a season of just like actually reflection and quiet and to be honest, a season of rest. There's a reason that animals hibernate in winter. Now, I'm not saying pull, pull back, but I'm saying like there's seasons where God teaches you how to rest. You know, for, there's, there's people in here and you have kids and like, you're like, well, I don't have as much time. Like, you know, I've got to work five days a week and like, you know, really the only time that I have to write songs or to like worship lead is like a church like on like once a month or I you don't understand I don't have time to like write songs well do you know that's okay do you know that like God uses every season to train you for the next one and whatever you sow in one season is what you'll reap in the next it's impossible to escape that like learning to rest in the winter seasons when when things feel a bit cold and like learning to be grateful in those seasons like man like I would even like in the natural in winter, I get in my car and I say, thank you, God, that I have heat in my car. I get in my, my apartment, I'm like, thank you, God, that I have heat in my apartment. Thank you, God, that, like, you know, that things are quieter with work in winter and I actually have time to like, just like, do some stuff that I want to do to go visit friends. You know, like, so in the winter seasons of your life, like, it's amazing how gratitude will set you up for a really good spring. You know, what are you, what are you being grateful for? Even like prophesying over your season. Like, I, there's nothing I love more than just, like, you know, when things aren't, like, I, for this year, for example, I was like, this year's going to be a year of, like, jub, double jubilee, it's 2014, that's two sevens, jubilee times two, bang, bang, it's going to be amazing, it's going to be a year of favour, open windows, do you know that, that year, the year hasn't really felt like that for me, but do you know that my confession hasn't changed? And it's amazing how like when the season doesn't look like the way we think it's going to look, we change our confession. When actually God's just saying, well, actually, this is the season that you need. Winter clears the, clears the ground, freezes everything off and, off and sets things up for like things to really like bloom. And like for you to actually notice that things are blooming. One of my favorite things about Nashville is like when spring is starting, you notice it. Like because everything goes from stark to suddenly like, I mean, like in two days, there's, there's like flowers on all the trees. And I think, man, like... In Australia, I don't notice the seasons changing as much because, like, the seasons kind of just roll into each other and you don't notice as much. And you know what? When you don't notice seasons changing, it's easy to become, like, complacent and just, to be honest, a little bit ungrateful. So, like, be grateful for the season. Know your season and know what you're graced to do in the season. If you just, like, fall back into what you're graced for in every season, it's amazing how, like, there will be a sense of ease there no matter what hard thing you come up against. Um, 1 Samuel 24, I'm going to read that just because I think it's rad. I hate technology. I don't know why I don't just bring paper Bibles. Has everyone got, who's got a paper Bible still? Oh, everyone. This is awkward. Um, I'm good. 1 Samuel, what did I say? 1 Samuel 24? 1 Samuel 24. If you've got your paper Bible, just go there. It's an amazing story about seasons um, and, about, and about knowing how to honour. Um, so David's been told he's the man and he's the king and he's been anointed when he was the least likely. And also he's kind of, he's kind of hot, like just for those of you that don't know, the Bible says that David was ruddy and handsome, which to me in the Bible, like I think, you know, David's kind of good looking. Some of you are feeling awkward about that, but it's true. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says David was ruddy and handsome. So it's this good-looking guy who's, like, kind of buff because he's, like, out looking after sheep and, like, throwing rocks at things. And he's a musician, like, which, come on, it's cool. can play the guitar and write songs. What a legend. Um, and, then, and then to top things off, like, 
he like gets anointed as king. So the guy's kind of like the man, like, and then to make matters even like higher, like and like give him even a little bit more sense of like awesomeness, he like the king of the country often asks him to come and like play some music, come and do like concerts for the king, legend. Um, then to make him even more awesome, he like full on like wins wins a war for the whole country, legend. So the guy is like the bomb.com and the people love him. Um, but David's in this season where like even though he knows he's the man and even though, he, even though God has said you're the man, like he's in this season of like actually having to just wait. And you know, like I think for us like the waiting season, like it like tests like what's in your heart and it's amazing how like what comes out in that season, like is the whole point. It's what God's trying to do in you that's the most important. So many of us want the promise, but we won't do the, we won't, we won't do the process. And I'm like, the process is the point. Um, I think about what tool I was a couple of years ago, and I think every year God's teaching me something. Every year God's like making me better because I was a jerk when I was 21. Just she's people tell you, she knew me a few years ago. I get better every year, don't I, Jess? Right? Yeah, great. She has to say yes because I'm like looking right at her. Okay, so I love this um, this story. So like David knows he's the man. He's like waiting for his season to become king and then, um, and then gets this opportunity to like just make it happen. Um, so he's, he's out, you know, like Saul's on the hunt looking for David to like take David out. David's like kind of stealthily like doing a special ops mission to kill Saul. And it says this, um, verse 3, He came to some sheep pens along the road and there was a cave there and Saul went into it to relieve himself. So that means he went in to go to the bathroom. Um, ooh, where did that go? Hang on. This is being really unfair. Okay. Um, David and his men were huddled far back in the, the same cave. Like, so David could have so, so seen that as, like, this is the orchestration of God. You know, like, we're here, he's here, God wants me to kill him. Like, this is totally, like, a God-orchestrated moment because it looks like that. But actually, David has a revelation of, of honor and a revelation of, to be honest, David was just a real compassionate guy and a guy that had a heart after God. Um, David's men whispered to him, can you believe it? This is the day God was talking about when he says, I'll put um, your enemy... Oh. I'll put your enemy into your hands. You can do whatever you want um, with him. Which I'm like, isn't that true? Like sometimes like things get orchestrated and people say to you, well, like obviously God meant for you to like do this. Or, like obviously this is your moment. Um, I'm like, be very careful about the people you surround yourself and the things they say to you. Like always test it with the word of God and test it with like what you know, like is like the, what the Holy Spirit's saying. Because like people will always steer you wrong, but the Holy Spirit never will. Um, Quiet as a cat, David crept up and cut off a piece of Saul's robe. Now, he cut off a piece of Saul's robe while Saul was going to the bathroom. Like, he actually could have just, like, stabbed the guy in the heart. And, like, the Bible says David was a mighty warrior. I mean, it wouldn't, it's not like he would have, like, had to take, like, 55,000 stabs. He probably would have just got it and done it and, like, made it happen. But I love this. Like, immediately he felt guilty and he said to his men, God forbid that I should have done this to my master, God's anointed, that I should so much as raise a finger to him. He is God's anointed. David held his men in check with these words and wouldn't let them pounce on Saul. Saul got up, left um, the cave and went on down the road. I love this story because I love that, like, David had such a revelation of, like, actually, like, 
Saul might be trying to take me out, but like Saul's actually not ultimately in charge of my life. God is in charge of my life. And like at the end of the day, God initially put Saul in like place and God knows from beginning, beginning to end. And so I go like, Saul's the guy and David just goes, you know, I'm not going to be the person that takes this guy out. If this guy's meant to move, then I'm going to trust that God has said, you're going to be the king and like God will do it in his time and God will move Saul. I don't actually need to. That's like that's like someone who has a massive revelation of seasons and like knowing that like God will do something in his perfect time. You know, we wrestle with that so much like in, in our in our leadership, you know, like and it's it it's crazy to try and like shift things and move things before it's time. When things happen in time, it's like amazing how it's like it's effortless and it's beautiful and and to be honest, there is such an anointing on things happening in the in the right season. Um I mean, I could go on, but I just, for some of you, like, I don't know, like, it's, for some of you, even in the room, like, the year hasn't even looked the way that you wanted it to look. Who, who, is, who are those people that the, the year hasn't looked the way you wanted it to look? There's still some things you're believing God for, and, like, you're like, okay, we're getting to, like, October, God, what are you doing? Can I say to you that, like, again, like, learn to recognize your seasons, it's no coincidence that fall is the season where, like, the most change happens and the most change happens in a really obvious way. Where the things that, f- that fall away need, like, the things that need to fall away, fall away. Um, it's no surprise that, surprising that it's actually the most colourful season. It's a season that, like, that people are endeared to. It's a season where even the climate changes. There's a shift and what you clothe yourself in looks different. And I just, like, even now just want to say to you guys, like, that you actually can believe God for that. Like, you can believe God that, that like, in these last few months of the year, he's going to do more for you and, like, begin to, like, to, like, change some things and shift some things that he can do more in, like, the last three months than, than has happened in the, in the first nine months. Learn to, like, like, learn to, like, lean into the season. Go, what are you doing, God? Like, because if I just lean into what you're doing, like, my expectation is not going to be, like, in, like, like, what I can do or what's happening in front of me. It's just going to be in what you're doing. The other great thing about fall is fall is a harvest season. You know, for some of you, you need to hear that, like fall is a harvest season, that everything that you've sown is, like not, is not actually just going to fall under a pile of snow and it's not actually just going to fall on dead ground. That is actually, it actually has to rise up from the earth. It actually has to, like, come forth and come to full bloom, yeah? Don't miss what the season holds because the season can hold, like, such good things. Some of my most unseen seasons have held my best songs. And I never would have got those songs if I had to, like, been, like, trying to, like, just be on the front line, like, as far as, like, be seen. Um, the next thing is, number three, is know you're accepted. It's so, I think for creative people, it's so easy to get into the trap of leading and singing and using our gifts from a place of wanting to be accepted instead of from a place of knowing that you actually already are accepted. Um, and I and I know that because I mean for so long like there's so many moments like even in like what you do and like how you serve your church how you even try and be a good steward of, of your gift where it comes from this place of like wanting to be validated and wanting to be noticed especially like especially in like a culture that like celebrates celebrity yeah I mean everyone can have their 15 minutes I can put a video on YouTube of like me just singing some song and like next day I'm on Ellen DeGeneres I mean who knows that's true I'm like some you can put on like I don't know like a can write a song about a fox and then like and then like in Swedish and then like it'll be like a best-selling hit. You can write a song about Fridays and film a bad video clip and it'll be like the best-selling hit of 2013. Um, we live in such a culture that celebrates celebrity and like to be honest nothing's really changed in 2,000 years. Um, 
You know, I love that, like, the reason Saul became king was because everyone was like, we want a king, we want a king. And, like, and God's like, yeah, but I'm your king. And, like, they're like, man, we want a king. Like, because everyone wants something that they can worship and everyone wants something that's, like, tangible and something that they can celebrate and something that they can look to. And I go, but actually, people just weren't designed to carry that. And actually, but, but it's crazy because, like, even though we weren't designed to carry that, it's sometimes something that we crave. It's, like, to be accepted, to belong, to be celebrated, to be validated, to be noticed. Um, don't get into the trap of, like, like, leading and using your gift from that place. You have to, like, get, you have to keep going back to what God says because people will never say things that have the same weight as what God is saying to you. Man, when God says something to me, when God says, like, you know what, I really love you. You did a great job today. I'm like, like, if somebody else says it, it doesn't hold as much weight. You know, like, husbands, like, you know, when your wife says you did an amazing job, how much does it have so much more weight than, like, what everybody else says? And, like, that's the person that you're the most intimate with and that you're the most vulnerable with. Like, you know, wives, when your husband says you did a great job, like, the person that you're the most intimate with, the most vulnerable with, like, the person that sees all your weaknesses and loves you anyway, like, it has weight. So how much more when God says it? Um... When you know you're justified in Christ, you don't need to justify yourself. When you know you're affirmed in Christ, you don't need to seek affirmation. Um, when you know that you're chosen and you're called, you don't need to climb a ladder or strive for position or opportunity. Um, I remember like my first year at Hillsong College, going like the first worship and creative arts meeting that I ever went to, and Darlene was speaking and I was like sitting there like this fresh little 17-year-old being like, oh. actually, I was like gothic when I first moved there. I had like my lip pierced and my eyebrow pierced. So I was probably like, yeah, let's do this. Like, um, and I remember like sitting there and thinking like, wow, like, wow, I'm at Hillsong Church. I used to go to the conferences and think like one day I'm going to be part of this. And like, which, be it unto you according to your faith, right? And like according to like you like working the gifts and like positioning yourself well. But I remember sitting there and, like, I was the least likely. And I, I was sitting there and I was thinking, wow, like, yes, like, darling, check speaking. Like, it's so exciting. I'm, like, sitting, like, nearly in the back row. And um, I remember Darlene says to, like, just some random, like, says, like, you know, like, Lisa, why don't you come up and pray? And I think, oh, my gosh. I think, imagine Darlene knew your name. Imagine Darlene knew my name. And, like, I'm, like, sitting there frothing over that going, like, imagine Darlene knew my name. And I remember God goes, I know your name. And I was like, like, I just, I lost it because I just was like, well, how stupid of me to like be seeking an affirmation off like just someone that just actually like is just one of your kids as well. And like when you're seeking it, like to be honest, when you get it, it won't be enough. It'll never be enough. It'll never be enough that someone says you're awesome. And it'll never be enough that someone says you're the best worship leader on the planet. Someone can tell you that you, you like put every other worship leader or every other gift or every other singing voice or song to shame and I promise you someone else will eventually come along that like makes you look foolish but like man when God says it God knows his kids really well and God the great thing about a dad is he re like they recognize the gold in their kids and they recognize the gift in their kids like more than anyone else and they have this ability to draw it out so when you go to him he will draw out more more from more in you than anyone else ever will um you have to just know, like, the God of the universe knows your name. And to be honest, like, that's, that's better than, like, ever having your name in lights. It's better than ever, ever recording a CD. It's better than anything. Like, like, the God of the universe knows you and calls you. It's pretty huge. And accepts you. He accepted you before you'd ever, ever, ever even said you're sorry. 
He'd accepted you before you ever put your gift on the altar and said, I really want to, I really want to like submit this to you, God. He accepted you and validated you before any of that. And you know, in his kindness, those gifts that you have, he gave them to you. So like, to be honest, like, like, you know, I remember I used to look after this little kid called Ruby and if I would buy her a gift and she would use it, I would feel like a legend because I would be like, yeah, you used that gift, you know? And like, so she wasn't ever like trying to like get, like every time she would come to me for like, look, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. I'd be like, yeah, you get it because I gave it to you. And actually like it gives me joy that you're coming to me and like going like, check it out. I'm using it, you know? But when like everyone else can't appreciate it the way I can because I gave it to her, yeah? So if I give like, if I give a little kid a bike and they learn to ride the bike and then they come to me and be like, look at me, look at me, I can ride the bike. I'm like more proud of them than anyone because I like, I gave them the gift in the first place. Yeah. Go to the person that gave you the gift. Like the gift makes way for the giver. So it makes actually, your gift makes way for God. You know, we always say that, like, use your gift and God will make a way for you. Well, you're not the giver in the first place. I know you think you're giving your gift. You're not. You're just surrendering it back. Yeah? I'd rather make a way for God anyway. He can do way more than I can. He's a legend. Um, number four, know your enemy. Can I say, like, the people in your church are not your enemy? And I know it can feel like when you're in like, when you're in like an army situation, which is what we are, we're like an army. When you're in an army situation, there can be like a lot of like discontent in the army, especially when it feels like there's like no battle going on. That's when there starts to be grumbling and that's when there starts to be stuff that like just dissension, like talk that kind of just creates division. Can I say like, they are not your enemy. And I hate seeing churches like bickering against each other. Like, I want this word to be removed from worship teams, politics. I'm like... Do you know that you, like, we create the politics? You know why? Because if, if no one's voting, then, like, there is no politics. If there's no hierarchy, there is no politics. You know, and sometimes we, like, complain about the very things that we are sowing into. And I go, like, let's be, like, committed as leaders. Real leaders disarm that stuff. They don't, they don't fuel it. Um, know your enemy. Like, competitiveness. There is only one lane, lane that you can run in and, like, earn a prize for. There's only one lane, that qualify, one lane that qualifies you to win, and that's your lane. Competitiveness is so silly, like, because to be honest, no one sounds like you do. No one brings what you do. Everybody has, like, I like to think of it as a signature. You know, I think Glenn Packing probably talked about it yesterday, about liturgy. And, like, I'm not as smart as him, so I call it a signature. Everybody has a unique signature. I love that John Egan, have you noticed he's got this really amazing ability to, to write freedom on everything that he brings? And that, that when he's, like, bringing freedom, it's, like, it's almost the best thing that he can bring. Like, that he's bringing, like, he brings freedom to their, to their team. He brings freedom when he talks. Like, he brings freedom, like, in his songs. And, like, that's, like, kind of his signature. Like, finding out your signature is a really smart thing to do. Finding out what you bring the best is a really smart thing to do. Because when you do, it gives you, like, this unique angle. Nobody can sign your name on this earth like you can sign your name on this earth. Everything else is just a forgery. And if you're always trying to be somebody else and always competing with someone else, like, it just doesn't go well for you. Um, comparison doesn't go well for you. Like, well, you know, if I compared myself to, to my friends, I literally would have never opened my mouth to sing again in my whole life. It's, you think you got it tough? Like, it's a tough thing for that when you're friends. Like, my, my close friends are Carrie Job, Brooke Fraser, um, gosh, who else? Francesca Battistelli, Meredith Andrews. Are you joking me? I would never open my mouth to sing again in my whole life. Because those girls can sing. Um, 
But you know what? I'm not going to compare myself to them because I'm 100% grateful for what they bring. But like, you know what? Like, I'm real grateful for what I bring. You know why? Because it's unique. No one can bring what I, I can bring. And if anybody has like an excuse to get really good at comparison, I do because I'm an identical triplet. So I grew up with clones. They would open up their mouth. They sound like me. They look like me. They talk like me. But how amazing that like God's like, I'm going to do the same thing three times and make them completely different. Don't get into the trap of comparison because I grew up being compared to my sisters over and over and over again. And you know what? To be honest, it just helped me to fight for my individuality. And like for some of you in this room, you actually just really need to, f- to fight for your, for your own uniqueness. Um, and it's maybe something that you haven't done for a long time. It's great to have people that you look up to. It's great to have people that you admire. But, but don't, get, don't, get, don't let that like take the place of you being you. Um, other enemies. Um, this is for everybody, but but I think especially girls in the room, distrust. Um, I think there's something about human nature that, like, deep down, like, we can get into this habit of believing that, that, like, actually, like, our leaders or the people around us don't actually have our best interests at heart. Can I say God always has your best interests at heart? Even when you're doing the wrong thing and even when you're doing it the wrong way, God always has your best interests at heart. I, 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 for a long time, like, struggle with, like, distrust. I can struggle with, like, believing that, like, that, like, my leaders didn't have the best for me. And to be honest, struggling a little bit with trust with God, believing that God was holding out on me and believing that God was, you know, like, second-guessing whether God was going to do what he said he'd do just because there was, like, a waiting period. Don't get into the trap of believing that people are holding out on you. And even if they are, who cares? Because God isn't. And God has more to offer you and more to give you than they ever will. Because what they're giving you is coming from a temporary place and and from like an earthly place. What he's giving you is coming from like a much richer place, yeah? Um, The other thing is confession. Like get into the habit of speaking life. And I'm talking to you as a professional complainer. I I think I kept a lot of doors shut for myself by just being a complainer. Like you didn't have to like give me a magnifying glass to find what was wrong. I would tell you what was wrong. And, you know, all it did was fuel a spirit of bitterness and a spirit of disappointment. Once those things get in your spirit, they're real hard to get out. Um, but, like, you know what? I got this revelation a couple of years ago that gratitude opens doors. And when I say revelation, I mean revelation because God had to tell me that because I think I just would have... My, like I, you know, we often will blame our personalities. Well, my personality is to, like, see the glass half empty. Well, yeah, but... That's just your personality and are you operating out of your personality or are you operating out of your spirit man? Because your spirit man actually like wants to prophesy life. Your spirit man actually wants to talk about whatever is good and whatever is pure and whatever is peace loving. That's what your spirit man wants to do. And it's amazing that your words will begin to shape your world. Um, I think about like, so I write songs for a living, obviously. Um, do you know I was the least likely person in the whole world to like ever write a song? And I, even even when I was at Hillsong Church, I was the least likely person to ever get chosen um, or ever even have a song heard. Um, and you know what? But be it unto you according to your faith and your words, they shape your world. When I was 15 years old, I would stay up every night. My sisters would go to bed and I would stay up every night and I would write these letters to God. And guess what the letters said? 
God, one day I'm going to write songs that go all over the world and they're going to bless your people. One day I'm going to write songs that show people who you are and tell people about like how I know you and like the, the kind God that you are and the good God that you are. You know, my mum has boxes and boxes and boxes of letters that say one day, one day I'm going to write songs that go all over the world. So you wonder why you're not getting opportunity. You wonder why things aren't working out. Maybe, maybe it's because your words are like actually like shutting doors for you. Maybe it's because your words are not like, you prophesy like, well, I always get disappointed. Well, guess what's going to meet you halfway? Disappointment. Or oh, I, I never get chosen for anything. Well, maybe it's because you're projecting that you never get chosen for anything. I don't want to pick the person that's sulking. I want to pick the person that's like, yeah, what can I do? How can I serve? You know, like, oh... I never get any opportunity. Well, that's just, that's just silly. Like, there's opportunity every day. You know, like, you would think, like, you know, oh, easy for you to say. You were at Hillsong Church. But I was writing way more songs than they could use a year. And I could have looked at that like, oh, well, they never use my songs. They only use three songs a year. Like, but instead, I was like, well, okay, well, who else can I, like, help on their journey with songs? Who else can I sow into? And, like, your words, like, so shape, shape your world. Like what you confess. Gratitude, I'm telling you, like start prophesying with gratitude over your life. God, thank you that you are making a way where there isn't one. Thank you that you, that you already like have written out the plan for my life. Thank you that like if you've put it in my heart, then you're faithful to complete it. God, I'm committed to the process. Thank you that you're going to do a quick work. Help me to get this quick. I don't want to spend 40 years like wandering around in the desert like when it's an 11-day journey. Because how sad's that? Don't worry, that, that story's in the Bible so that we'd know not to do the same thing, right? Um, speak life, prophesy gratitude and prophesy encouragement. Um, be a champion of everyone else. I got real good at championing everyone else because I just figured it was seed in the ground for later for me. Nothing worse than hearing people be like, well, like typical, like they, they got the opportunity. I'm like, cool, they got the opportunity, go and celebrate them. Seed in the ground. You choose what you put in the ground. You wonder why you're not reaping the things you want to reap? Well, what did you put in the ground? Um, catch the little foxes. One of my favorite things um, as well in the Bible is when, when like Proverbs talks, I mean Song of Songs, like it's Song of Songs 2, oh gosh, 2 something. Um, sorry guys, I've lost it. Not good at technology. Little foxes destroy the vine. You know when it talks about like catch little foxes before they get in and destroy the vine? It's talking about things like, you know, discouragement, bitterness, like, like, like you're com- like complaining nature words. And you know why it says get in and destroy the vine? Um, get, get in and like catch those little foxes before they destroy the vine? Because the whole point is little foxes get in there and they start to like gnaw away right before, the vine, right before the grapes are ready to pick. Right before the grapes are at their fullest and their sweetest. Like, like, you, want, like you sabotage your own, like your own destiny by like letting little foxes in. And then, like, another season has to go past where, like, things have to mature and grow again, yeah? Catch those little foxes and cut them in the neck. Um, And then, like, the last kind of thing of, like, know your enemy is just, like, um, your emotions. It's a fine line between, like, um, between, like, doing things with heart and then, like, I mean, letting your heart rule everything. You know, the Bible says your heart's deceptive above all things. Um, I think it's always a good idea to make it personal. So, like, make it personal in, like, man, I'm going to, like, sow into people. I'm going to, like, make it personal. Like, I'm going to, like, 
like believe God for the best, but don't take it personally. You know, there's, we can fall into a real trap, especially in like ministry and in like church environment of taking things really personally that just, to be honest, aren't personal. Or oh, that person got rostered on and like they've been rostered on every week and I haven't. And so like, or oh, they just don't like that I'm like, speak my mind. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe it's just a rostering thing. Maybe they thought you were away. You know, I'm like, get really, leaders get really good at disarming just bullcrap conversations. Am I allowed to say that? Because I've said it now. Like, but leaders get really good at disarming just rubbish. You know, and I got really good at, like, not disarming rubbish and fueling rubbish. And I'm like, just forget it. I got really good at getting emotional about things that just weren't worth being an emotion, emotional about. You know, the best place to pour your emotion is into your art. Like, pour your emotion into your songs because it makes them beautiful. You know, you think about songs like, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Like, there's so much heart in that song. You know, think about songs like, um, he loves us, oh, how he loves us. There's so much heart in that song. You know, the worst place to pour your emotion? Into, like, stupid conversations. Like, the worst place to pour your emotion? Into vain imaginations. <laughs> I didn't mean for that to run, but I did because I'm like a songwriter and all that. Um, but yeah, make it personal when you like make it personal when you're sewing into others and when it's about people, but don't take it personally because it will rip you off, you know. And half the time, the enemy doesn't even need to like do anything. He just gets in with one little thought and then lets you run havoc yourself. Just get good at disarming that stuff because I'm like, out of the heart flows the issue of life. Like Proverbs 4.23, keep vigilant watch over your heart because that's where life starts. Don't talk out both sides of your mouth. It's real easy to like, once it's in your heart, to like gossip about it. Avoid careless banter, white lies and gossip and exaggeration. That's not in there. I'm just putting that in there for you. Um, Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Watch your step and and the road will stretch out smooth before you. You know, when, if, if you want things to feel easy, just don't get caught up in, like, just, like, emotional, stupid conversations. Don't let your, don't let your emotions get ahead of, ahead of what is true, yeah? Um, and then this is the last thing I'm kind of going to say, and then, is Corey here? Who? Great. Ah, oh, legend. You want to jump out for me? Do you want to just start, um, can you play, like, the chords to, like, set a fire in, like, C-ish? Um... The last thing is just know what you bring. Um, We wonder why we didn't get an opportunity and someone did. Well, maybe it's just because they were a better steward than you were. There's something to being really ready in season and out of season. Before I ever got a song recorded, I knew that I brought I brought a really like unique way of, of, of putting words. I knew that I, I had this like gift to be able to like write words down and like that it would help people see God from a different angle. And you know what? Like I actually wasn't one of those songwriters that, that had everything going for me. I had to work really, really, really hard to like to make it all work. I couldn't even play the guitar. I couldn't do anything. All I had was just this like gift with language where I was really good at like when it, when it comes to putting things on paper, I like had this like, pretty good sense of rhyme, like pretty good sense of like meter and pretty good sense of like saying something in a way that like it makes it real for people. And you know what? I was just a really, really good steward of that. And guess what happened? I was a good steward of that and it multiplied. And like, and, and like that didn't mean like that I supernaturally picked up the guitar one day and was like, oh my gosh, let's like 
just like Jimi Hendrix this like no it actually just meant that I, when I picked up the guitar I said God I only know four chords and I can't even play a rhythm I'm terrible but like can you just please give me a supernatural ability and didn't mean I woke up and could play everything it just actually meant that like like I, when I was a good steward of just that little thing and like I picked up something else and tried to be a good steward of that God furthered it more than I thought he ever would the first like eight songs that I ever had recorded like only had five chords I just moved that capo come on and as I got like as I became a good steward of that like God multiplied that and I began to like get a better sense of melody and when when I was good steward of that God multiplied that and like God opened up doors for me to be around people who were better at the thing that I wasn't good at um you know, Matthew 25, 14, like, I don't have time to read it, but, like, it's the story of the talents. And, like, you know, the master goes away and he leaves one person with ten talents, one person with five talents, and one person with one talent. And the guy with ten talents goes and sows it, and the guy with five talents goes and sows it. And the guy with one talent is like, well, you know, like, I'm, I'm not really sure what to do with this, and I know that, like, I want it to be excellent before I bring it. So, which how many of the... Of, of us feel like that like well I want it to be excellent before I bring it you know when actually God says like you know at the end of that story God like is like giving a pat on the back to the to the guy with 10 talents and, and gives him more God, giving a guy the pat on the back to the guy with five gives him more and the one with one who says well I wanted it to be excellent so I like I protected it and like you know I, I never showed anyone my song because you know like it was really close to my heart between me and God and you know I, it wasn't ready yet and I spent five years working on it or I never stepped out because no one ever gave me an opportunity or like, you know, I never like, I could sing but I didn't feel confident. Well, like, the master says to that guy, like, you wicked, lazy servant. That is, it is the message Bible says, it is criminal to live that cautiously. Do you know God wants you to take risks? And God wants you, God's not asking you to use what you don't have. He's saying like, use what you do. And sometimes that even means like the season and the church and like the people that you're around. Like use what's around you. I have so many people come up or like email me and say like, hey, I'd really love an opportunity to co-write with you. And I think, but why aren't you co-writing with the people in your church? You're looking in all the wrong places. Believe me, God will find you. I'm from a church of 40 people in a town of 3,000 people. And I live on the other side of the world now. And like God has done more in the last 10 years of my life than I ever thought was possible. God will find you if you're just a good steward. Everything comes down to stewardship. Um, I had one tiny gift that I was a really good steward over. And now I have like a bunch of gifts that I'm, a, uh, that, that I'm trying to be a good steward over. And I'm trying to use and invest. Um, dare to try. God's not asking you to succeed. He's not even pleased if you succeed. He's pleased if you step out in faith. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that, that God is pleased by faith. It says it's actually impossible to please God without faith. Dare to look foolish. Dare to keep sowing even when you haven't seen your harvest yet. And I love this one. Dare to suck. Do you know how many times I've like really led very poorly? I have fallen over in worship. I've got my shoes stuck in a grate. I've like sung the wrong words to my songs. I'm like, I've started. And if you, I, I think you're not a good seasoned worship leader if you haven't started a song in the wrong key. Like, dare to have those moments. You know what? But I tried and I kept going. And I'm, I'm telling you, the race isn't actually to the swift and the battle isn't actually to the strong. Time and chance happen to them all. But actually, I think, you know what? 
usually the person that wins out in the end, the person that sees God fulfill everything that was in their heart is the person that just kept on persevering and believing God for who he was. And we're going to just spend like five minutes and I'm just going to pray for you. And I know you like, if you came for like a step-by-step of like how to lead worship professionally, I don't have it. Um, but all these things, I'm like, I think about all the things that held me back and these, they were all things that I just, these things that I had to learn and these things that I have to keep learning and keep reminding myself, know my authority, walk in my authority, lean into what the Holy Spirit's saying, catch those little foxes, um, know what my enemy is and stop, like don't ever look to people as the enemy, like look to this, like what is happening in the spirit because if you fight it in the spirit, you'll win. If you fight it in the natural, you'll lose. And I just know that there's some people in this room that like for you, like you've been sewing for a long time and you're like, you know, actually I'm just feeling a bit weary and I'm at this conference going like, I'm looking for this one nugget that like is going to like disarm all of it or open a door or whatever. Can I say that like God has already gone before you and he's already opened every door that needs opening. And when he opens it, when he does the work, man, like no one will ever be able to take you out if he puts you where he wants to put you. And there's some people you're, you're about to walk into a season um, where your heart is like, you're like, I never thought my heart could know this much joy. There's some people in this room where you're like, man, I, where like you've got something in your heart and you're like, well, that's never been done. And God's like, yeah, but that's why, that's why I put it in your heart because you've got the spirit of a pioneer and you can do it. There's people in this room where you've been waiting on God to do just, there's just even little things you've been waiting on God to do. And I just even right now prophesy over you a shift. And like when you can learn to worship through all of that stuff and you can learn to say like, I set my eyes, I set my eyes, I set my eyes on you. And when everything else is falling apart, when everything else is not going the way I think it should go, like you crack me open and at the very centre of my heart, like it's saying like, God, I'm grateful. And God, I, I bless you and I'll serve you no matter what. So we're going to just spend five minutes and like, and for those of you who you're even waiting for God to say something that he hasn't said yet, I'm believing now that the Holy Spirit's going to say that to you. Is that cool? So do you guys want to just stand to your feet? We're just going to just sing this little thing and just believe that God's going to do it. Because I can talk for 50 minutes and like, it can be nothing. But when God comes, like he says what needs to be said. Yeah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just lift our hands. You're enough, you're enough, God. When you walk in the room, when you walk in the room, when you walk in the room, there's nothing like it, nothing like it. When you walk in the room, when you walk in the room, when you walk in the room, there's nothing like it, nothing like it. When you walk in the room, when you walk in the room, when you walk in the room, there's nothing like it, nothing like it. When you walk in the room, when you walk in the room, when you walk in the room, there's nothing you want to say, God, say what you want to say, do what you want to do, 
Speak what you wanna speak up and move how you wanna move. I prophesy, I prophesy, I prophesy seasons of joy. I just want to follow in your footsteps, God. I just even pray that you would begin to reveal just divine strategy, God, in the lives of every person here, God. That you begin to speak to hearts and, and show them the keys that like just unlock the things that they've been waiting on, God. I pray, God, that you would that you would just even again strengthen every leader's heart, God. God, that they would not be easily swayed, God, that they would not be easily moved, God. But Lord God, that your strength, God, would, would just be in the depths of their soul, God, would be in the depths of their, their, um, their heart, God, and the depths of everything that they do, God. I speak over um, their minds, God, and I just, in Jesus' name, I, I rip down every vain imagination, every insecurity, every paranoid thought, God, that exalts itself against what you have said and what you are doing, God. Thank you, God, that you are always, 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 always faithful, God. And I even just, I again say, God, like we just, we delight ourselves in you, God, and we trust you with the desires of our heart, God. I thank you, Lord, that what you put in our hearts, God, you want that for us more than we even want it, God. I pray for open doors, God, and I pray for opportunities that could not be orchestrated by the hand of man, God. And again, just that you would ready your people, God, that we would not walk into it um, not, not prepared and not ready, God, but Lord, that you would lead us into it full of your Holy Spirit, God, full of like just having done the season, God, full of like you having tested our hearts, God. And in Jesus' name, I just speak your kindness as a banner over every life here, God. Let your kindness be the banner. Let your kindness be the banner. what you were depositing, God. I seal that in Jesus' name. 
hearts. When you speak to my heart, when you speak to my heart, when you speak to my heart, there's nothing like it, nothing like it. There's nothing like it, nothing like it. bless you God and we we go we go out with gratitude God we go out with thankfulness in our hearts Lord that as far as you're concerned it's all already done and we just we surrender to what you want to do Jesus and I bless every person in this room God Lord for every battle that they've been coming up against every hard thing God I just disarm that and I speak the blood of Jesus Christ over it thank you that your blood is the best defense we have against the enemy God I bless them God I bless them I bless them, I bless them, God. And I speak just that this last three months of the year, God, would just blow their minds that they would not have, they would not be able to contain, like they would think that there was like a limit to gratitude and they would be like, there's just no limit to the gratitude that we can bring, God. We love you, God, and we just thank you for this time together, God. Thank you that ultimately you're leading us, God, and we just want to follow in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Bray.